The next platform will have it figured out from day one, and we're just going to parlay the exact same techniques. So at the end of the day, what matters is knowing not your sales process, but the effect that it has on your customer. What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another awesome episode of the Readily Random Podcast. I am your host, Larry Roberts, and today I've got a guest, man. He has a very, very diverse background. He's got a lot of experience in a lot of different arenas. But one of the things that he focuses on more so than anything is helping business owners design sales kits and refining their approach to sales and finding clients. I know that's something that each and every one of us as entrepreneurs we struggle with, and he is here today to help us out. So Andrew Myers is with us. Andrew had his home security camera video go massively viral back in 2017. He was actually seen wrestling to the ground an intruder who was about to break into his house. As a military paratrooper veteran, Andrew happened to have the skills needed to hold down the assailant until the police arrived. That's always a bonus. The original video gained over 10 million views and gave Andrew his 15 minutes of fame by appearing on many of the morning talk shows to discuss what happened. He took his shrewd business and marketing skills and turned the attention into a much-needed cause. Knowing full well that the unfortunate number of veterans who take their own lives each year Andrew partnered with Paws and Stripes, who offer an emotional support dog that can help keep more veterans alive. And since then, he's gone on to help many, many business owners grow their business and design their sales teams in a way that helps grow their business over an extended period of time. So with no further introduction, Andrew Myers, welcome to the show. Larry, thank you. That was concise. You practiced that. (laughs) Actually, it's a cold read, brother. This is what I do. I'm kind of like a Kind of like a pro or something. I don't know. It's kind of weird. No, I'm just kidding. I did practice. But, uh, man, it's it's, <laughs> it's great to have you here, man. It really is. When Josh Carey, a mutual friend of ours, reached out and said, man, you got to have this guy on your podcast. Check it out. And I read your background, did a little homework on you, and, man, I was blown away. So having you here is it's a tremendous honor. Thank you so much. Well, I really appreciate that. And also your message about veterans is spot on. One thing I always like to include is a service dog for a blind veteran can cost $50,000 or more. So it's it's almost unaffordable. A service dog for a veteran with PTSD costs $5,000 or less. And it's one of the most effective ways there is statistically to actually save a veteran's life. So if you guys are so inclined, you know, donate to somebody in that vein. Your money will go a lot further than it will at some of these larger corporations. And if you want to laugh, Google, uh, Google Mr. Wronghouse. And uh, you, you'll, you'll see this event. Like I said, it was beautifully captured center frame on a couple of security cameras. It's almost like I planned it, which I was accused of. But uh, just oh, seriously, you were accused of staging this this event that took place where you you took down the wannabe burglar. Yeah, in my mind, it happened very chaotically. You know, it wasn't it wasn't a planned thing, and it happened fast. And you know, it was pretty violent. But when I watched the video, it looks deft. I look like I really know what I'm doing. I was pleased. I was like, oh, I can't wait to show people this. I mean, I look way more like polished in what happened than the way it happened. In, but yeah, it did. It was crazy. I, I happened in Seattle. So it happened. And then I, I had some news reporters stop by and ask for their, you know, their minutes of it. And then I went to sleep. I slept through my 15 minutes of fame or at least 14 of them, because apparently all the morning shows on the East Coast picked up the nightly reels from the Fox and from, you know, and so I was part of all their morning shows and didn't even realize it. I like I woke up, my phone was just like exploding. So only time that's ever happened. And I got to feel what it was like to be Kim Kardashian for a solid two hours. Yeah, that's probably about all we need for most of us. So (laughs) it was enough for me. Yeah, I had I had had my fill with it. So how is it that you handled this so deftly? Do you have training? Or do you have hand-to-hand combat training? Were you a fighter? Were you an MMA guy? What's the scoop, man? The joke is, if you look at me, I don't look like somebody that you would have to worry about. I, I'm scrawny. I'm 5'10", you know, but I've been doing jiu-jitsu my entire life. So, I, yeah, I, in, in the military, we have combatives every Thursday, and I can pretty much handle everyone else there because they know how to toss you around. They're bigger and stronger, but they don't know those those the, the few things that matter to try to end a fight, you know? So, yeah, he, it's a funny video. The guy, the guy doesn't know what he's, he looks, he, I tell him he has to leave and he kind of takes a look at me like, yeah, right. You know, you're not telling me what to do. And he, he tried to haymaker me and just got like drugged down these stairs and he lands in the bottom mount. And, you know, like I said on the recap video, it, it it's kind of like, you know, being locked in a safe and not knowing the combination. You know, he had me by 50 pounds and three or four inches, but he just, he, he could have given him another three days and he'd have never figured out how to get back to his feet. It's so funny because I personally can relate to that on such a level that most can't. I was the little wannabe MMA fighter way back in the day, back in the mid-90s. 
And I don't know if, if if you are very knowledgeable about like UFC history or mixed martial arts history, but Eve Edwards back in the day was one of the cat daddies. He was one of the top 155 pounders in the UFC back then. I was just branching out, starting to train with some real names. And I can remember the first time I ever rolled with Eves. I thought I was the cat daddy man because I'm up from Sherman, Texas, and not a lot of jujitsu in Sherman, Texas back in the mid-90s. So having a little bit underneath me, I thought I was I was the man because I was tapping people out left and right. And then Eve comes into the gym. You know, we knuckle up, we roll. And I was the exact same way. I'm underneath, you know, I'm in bottom mount, and I have no idea. It scared me. I'm not going to It scared me. Because you know, it, it really does. It feels like you're drowning in a pool or something. You, yeah, there's nothing that I felt. I have never felt so helpless in my life to have this guy on top of me with such skill that you can't even really verbalize it. It's just something you have to experience and something that you have to feel. And when you have somebody like yourself that's going up against somebody that's untrained, even in a real life violent encounter, it can look staged because the skill levels are just so disproportionate. They're not even remotely the same. Yeah. And for me, I just remember thinking like when I first got into it, I'm not a guy who like, I want to wake up and run, but boy, let somebody get on you and you're out of gas and they're trying to choke you. And you're like, you're, you're up at 5am and tying your running shoes the next day. Like that is never going to happen to me again. It, it is a helpless, helpless feeling. And I don't think people realize how close to that they are. Because, you know, if you talk to a Marine, and I we talked to and fought a bunch when I was in the military, every Marine's plan is like, I wish you would. I'd break his arm and then grab his arm and then throw it over and then break his leg. And, you know, but they don't really have a plan for what to do if it doesn't happen just like, you know, where for jiu-jitsu, it's like, I'm just going to grab onto him and hang on and then it'll sort itself out. <laughs> Which I always thought was a more, yeah, it was a more rational approach that way. Yeah, we'll just see where the ride takes us, man, because that's exactly how it is. It's so funny because it's shocking, too, as an old school karate guy to, you know, I was a black belt when the UFC came out in 93. And, of course, I'm sitting here watching UFC 1 going, these fat son of a guns, they're nothing. I, I could whoop everybody in there. Of course, not knowing what BJJ was or Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu was at the time. And then I realized, oh, man, this kick and punch stuff, it's not working out quite like it's supposed to work out. What is going on here? And it completely changed everything. Well, that was the most interesting time ever. And I think that's what got it for me was realizing that a guy shaped like me that looked like me was the body style for winning a, a, you know, an entire tournament like that, you know, in Gracie. Yeah. And it was just a, a wake up call that like, wow, this is really, you know, this is what martial arts is after thousands of years of arguing about it. Which, if anybody wants, this is my first piece of advice here. If you like binge-watching things, like, you know, Game of Thrones or other things, go back and give UFC Fight Pass your $8 and watch from 1 all the way to 30. And you can see an actual, like, not just a sport, but a 2,000-year-old debate literally form hour by hour. You know, by, like, episode 4, they get the first guy in there that actually knows what he's looking at, you know, and he knows how to call it. And then, like, Joe Rogan joins, I think, around episode 18 as a – you know, after 30, they kind of all feel like they do now. But from 1 to 30 is a great weekend binge. I mean, it's fantastic. it covers like six years of, of UFC. But, I mean, it it's awesome. It's a great way to entertain yourself. You you literally see evolution in, in action. It, you literally see the evolution of fighting in action from UFC 1 to, what do you say, UFC 30 or I think 33 is where Dana White and the group took over. But during that time period, it is, it's just amazing. And it's something that you can't. Yeah, Dar Darwin would approve. Well, who would? Charles Darwin would approve. Oh, yes. Charles, Charles Darwin would definitely approve because he was like, well, see, I told you evolution is right. It's right here in front of your eyes. Yeah. So we kind of got way off base there. Sorry, I get excited when I can talk MMA with somebody. But we can kind of tie that back if we want to start bringing in the business side of the conversation to see the evolution in business and see the evolution of the change in the ways that we do business and the ability to recognize the time to pivot and the time to change and the time to evolve. And I think right now we're living in one of those times. Yeah, I think I think the mistake that people make is that they try to reinvent the wheel. They try to say, well, now that the medium has changed, how will the entire presentation of my goals or my efforts change? And I think it's the exact opposite. It's about how to part like when, you know, when when we had stone wheels and then I eventually they imagine they, they made wood wheels and then they invented rubber, but it's still a wheel. They just put the rubber on the wheel. Right. So. You look at what works now, and the things that work now have old school metaphors that directly map. So click funnels is all the rage now. Go back to the 1950s. The sales letter was all the rage. What, what your offer was, where you put it, the order you tried it in, 
So, you know, ClickFunnels is just the, the new school version of a sales letter. You know, everybody, we like to talk about videos. We've built a lot of our businesses and our clients' businesses using video. But video is nothing but essentially a voicemail. We don't use two-minute long videos. We use these short, pithy videos that are meant to give you the feeling that you're actually having a conversation with somebody at eye level, right? You mentioned that you used to sell cars back in the day. Not a lot of that has, has changed. If you go onto a car lot, a lot of it's the same because it's, it is the evolution of a sales process. They've really gotten the process down from where you, what your mind should be to how they walk you through and generate your interest and qualify your interest and then you know, try to close your interest. So if you look at what they've done digitally since they've added websites and they've added all these other funnels, the ones that succeed are the ones that most closely replicate that process, but using the new digital mediums. So as the mediums that we contact customers with and engage customers with and eventually convert and close customers with change, this is something our customers like to ask us or our clients is what happens if Facebook goes away? We're like, nothing. Because the new platform will never not be monetized. Facebook, you know, they were big before they ever figured out how to make money. The next platform will have it figured out from day one. And we're just going to parlay the exact same techniques onto the new platform, whatever it is, you know, whatever their format requirements are or whatever, you know. So at the end of the day, what matters is knowing not your sales process, but the effect that it has on your customer. And that's the way business has always been. You know, to write the best sales letter, it wasn't five salespeople in a room having a, a writing competition like my daughter participates in coloring competitions, what is the effect of the sales letter? To win that competition, you'd have to show it had a better effect, right? So by chasing the results, our processes have formed over time. They are highly evolved. They are the the Brazilian jiu-jitsu of sales attempts. So our job isn't to come up with a new hold, it's to figure out how to get that hold to work on a new meeting. It's interesting, and I've heard you use the term twice now since we've been talking, and we talked a little bit before we hit that record button, and you use the term there too pithy you're using short pithy videos help me understand what that means so so pithy is like the attempt to say something in this i don't know we should probably look up the definition but the way i've always understood it is the, the attempt to say something with the fewest words in, in a simple again salespeople fall in love with words word tracks and closes and you know and at the end of the day saying them the way you heard them when they first got your attention is nowhere near as important as saying them in a way that gets heard by the customer in a certain way and often so my, my background was selling toys door to door. I actually dropped out of high school and went door to door selling, you know, cutting boards and, and coloring books and, you know, knife sets and watches and just stuff that fit in a bag. Right. But no, the stuff we had was five, 10, $20 items. And you learn a lot about law of averages. But what you learn also is how to how to keep and how, more so how to lose someone's attention, because you'll go talk to 300 people in a day and 280 of them are solid. No no matter what you say. So you learn to give yourself the best opportunity to flush your nose from your yeses with these short, really meaningful statements. And they're not long paragraphs. They're these little pithy statements that move somebody from one place to another, from a no to a yes, or more importantly, from a no to a maybe, because that maybe zone is where we go to work. And then how to manage their attention and not these long, long-winded things, because you can see somebody's attention drift while you're in the middle of them. So when you get into like sales letter writing and click funnels, a lot of it's about getting it just right. And for a lot of people, that means losing a lot of your words. You know, people don't like words. And if you can say more with that's always going to lead to a better outcome when it comes to sales. So yeah, a pithy statement, I should probably redefine it. Go, go Google that one again. But yeah, it, it, it generally just means very concise and, and getting across the largest message possible with the fewest amount of words. I, I didn't mean to put you on the carpet like that or anything. <laughs> it just, I heard you use it a couple of times. I was like, okay, this is a very critical word here. So we need to, we need to make sure that the audience knows what we're talking about. But I think that's the biggest thing, man. You hit the nail on the head when you're talking about getting to the point, cutting out all of the unnecessary words. And it's not just that way with sales. It's that way in everything. You know, if we're trying to convince somebody to buy our product or hire us for our services, that's one aspect of it. But even when we're just having conversations, if we're trying to sway someone's opinion about something or we're trying to direct their attention to something else, we have to be clear and concise and maybe even pithy. Well, their, their attention is like money. If you can get across what you want with 30 seconds instead of two minutes, it's like asking for 500 bucks instead of 2000. I mean, it, it's a lower ask. Exactly. It is, it's that way. I mean, if you look at comedy, comedians strive to tell jokes with the fewest words possible because they have your attention for a split second in time and you have to get to that punchline really, really quick. But, you know, and it's not about, I think when people say that, they go, okay, so I, I, want, I have a lot that I want to say. How do I, how do I cut a lot of it out? And that's not what a pithy statement is in my mind. In my mind, it's how do I say all this, but say this with more concise, meaningful words that don't require as much, you know, explanation to be understood. 
Yeah, I mean, how many times have we heard a speaker that rambles on and on and on and on and on about something to get to the point? It's constant. And how on Facebook, I've got a lot of wannabe guru friends where the first three minutes is just nothing. And, you know, there, there's an 18 minute video. And it's not that it's worthless. It's that only two minutes of it had worth. And they tried to hide it. I've been wanting to do a joke where I go live and I just say thank you to people and tease an announcement for 10 minutes and then get up. Oh, Eric just joined and Bobby and Robbie. Hey, Robbie, what's going on? So, guys, it's going to be a big news. Oh, Shara just joined. The one thing I don't have in my life is time. And I've got a few dollars I haven't spent yet. But when somebody's trying to consume an extra minute or two of mine, I'm phobic to that. I freak out. And uh, I think most people understand that. Now, the, the downside is that, you know, they always say that, uh, you know, leave them wanting more. If you if your ads are concise and you've only used the appropriate amount of somebody's attention to get from one phase to the next, then people hang on. It actually suspends their attention in sort of a magical way. You know, that was why I dropped out of high school, man, is it it take me two minutes to understand what they were saying. And then it'd take them another 45 minutes to get it across. And I, I was out, you know, I couldn't do it anymore. No, I, I can definitely appreciate that. What what are some of the things that we could do as business owners to help cut some of the fat off? I mean, just start trimming our message down. Well, right, well, I'll tell you a little story here. So when I was 17, I was selling toys door to door. I won some, you know, I was ninth in the nation or whatever for, for sales. And so they invited me to this like regional office and they run those places like a cult. So, you know, your impacts, the things you train on are always the same from time to time to time. And you don't, we're not really supposed to change them. You're supposed to go up and pretty much say it exactly that way every time. So just like the military. So when they're really funny about anybody winging it. So I went up there, I'm 17. They think I'm 21 in front of all these people. And I said, okay, so they had what they called the five steps that were introduction, short story, presentation, close, and rehash. And it was things like during eye contact, you smile, make eye contact, you know, things like that. So I went up there and I wrote my, I said, today we're going to go over my five steps. And I could hear everybody gasp like, oh, you know. You can't change the five steps, but it was the exact same steps, but just delivered from the perspective of the customer. So the point being to your question is it's not about what we want to say or what we would like the customer to know. We have to, in our mind, go meet them where they are. So there were salespeople who'd come in, they'd smile, they'd make eye contact, they'd, they'd write the first step off and they move on to step two. And the point of my impact, even at a young age, was just understanding that step one is about making them smile, about getting them to engage in eye contact. Then you move on to the next step. So I think people have a lack of faith for how easy it is to move a customer from where they are to where you want them to be by giving them awareness of certain things, by maybe ruling out certain objections they have. And as a, as a guy who's done staffed event auto sales and door to door sales, I've seen people that were, you know, I would have bet a hundred dollars that there's no way they would buy five minutes later they're buying because you applied the process to them. So what I think a lot of business owners are missing out on is this any form of confidence that if they're able to get the message down to eye level for the person, that it's going to be more meaningful. Chris Harris had a great, I listened to your podcast with him. It was great about, he talked a lot about the avatar profiles. And to me, this is sort of the entry level understanding for how to grow your business is that when you're advertising on a platform like Facebook or Instagram, you can write an ad that's for a guy and write an ad that's for a girl for example, and expect that those two ads are going to mean something else to those people because they are targeted at them. So we do like, we have a lot of automotive clients. You know, we have ads for new moms. We have ads for which day of the week it is. We have ads that say, don't wait till the weekend because we'll make you a great deal tonight to only play during the week. So I think people really vastly misunderstand how easy it is to not just do an ad and hope people want to buy what you want to buy, but to literally start a sales conversation where the, the ad that your customer is watching now can be predicated based on what products they looked at, which ads they've seen previous to this from you, you know, who they are as a person and a lot of other things. And there's a way in there to map that out with Chris's podcast. What I, one of the things that he sort of left out, and I'm sure he accounts for it somewhere in his process is if you want to drive a different response to a different avatar, you need a new piece of content for them. And where most business owners really fall apart is they, they overestimate how difficult it'll be to create engaging content. They're great as a salesperson. So let's, let's use the analogy of somebody that maybe owned an olive, olive oil shop. They know what to say to a mom versus a dad versus a grandpa about why they should buy their olive oil. And if they were able to just be confident enough to say that into a camera, they could instantly create ads for those three different avatar profiles that speak to them you know, at eye level. Um, they can make ads that say, hey, you saw my last ad. Now I have a special for you. So they, it's within almost every business owner's skill set, unless they don't ever talk to their own customers, 
to manipulate their attention, to, to put things in front of them that are relevant to them, to explain products in a way that's meaningful to them, to cover objections with previous buyers that are like them, and kind of replicate that same sales process that happens when you walk into a showroom on a dealership, where they have a whole plan for how to process and engage your attention that leads to a purchase and doesn't just ask you for one. I think you know from selling cars, how would it have went if you had went out and said like, are you here to buy today? What are you buying? Like you wouldn't have done very well. No, no, it wouldn't have done well at all actually. It had to be a little more, uh, a little more strategic with the approach. And, and stage too. You, you, have a, you have a process and then how they react to that first part dictates how you do the second part. And then how they react to that second part dictates what you do in the third part. And the Facebook and Instagram, especially that ad platform is set up to be built. Like if you go to my website and you click on the scheduling app with me, but it's a little Easter egg we hid in there and there's a bunch of them, but then you don't schedule. You get an ad within a couple of hours. If you go back to Facebook or Instagram, that's me about to tee off, put my golf hat on here. And I looked down at the camera and say, Oh, you're on my, uh, I noticed you're on my website. And uh, you didn't click. What are you just being nosy? You trying to figure out when I'm golfing? No, but I'd love to talk to you. And so one of the things that people misunderstand is that you can actually run the ads based on an action they've taken. It can, so 90% of your, your real moving and shaking in that business development space should be remarketing. Everybody focuses on what they do on that initial blast, but they don't focus enough on what they do with that information. So yeah, we have a lot of reactive ads that only fire if you qualified for them, like clicking on my events page, but then not scheduling. And I think if business owners knew how easy that toolkit was and how easy it was to pair that with the right content, they could go nuts. I mean, they'd be up till two or three every morning designing all these different inroads and stuff to their businesses that created fun, engaging conversations with prospects and stayed with them and nurtured them. And it's not hard to understand. It's not hard to do. And it's not hard to build. It's just people haven't really seen all they, ha they don't have the full purview of the of the, the landscape, if you will, like the jitsu. So they just sort of end up on their back flailing. Just hoping for the best. <laughs> well, I see a lot of people say I put 500 bucks into Facebook and it didn't work out that well. And it's like, well, Facebook on its own isn't a magic trick and neither is video. You know, the video allows them to see you, hear you, decide if they like you, see if they like your hat or not. You know what I mean? But then getting that served at the right time to the right person and having multiple ads that you can test. And it sounds harder than it is. But if you're going to learn anything in business, business owners need to be as, as interested in learning what their cost of acquisition is on the next customer as they are in how well they run their business. And I think that's something that, that a lot of people are short-sighted about. My mom was a cleaning lady growing up and she was great. Every time she'd lose a client, she'd find another one. In, but she never was, you know, I hate to call my mom not smart, but she was not ever aware of the opportunity enough to realize I'm better at going and getting customers to want their house clean than I am cleaning the house. And I think a lot of business owners fall into that same trap where they don't value the fact that as a service business, you know, what you are is your ability to attract customers. Someone else can clean the house house or crack the backs or make the olive oil. It's so hard though, as a, as a business owner to be able to recognize that Facebook ads for, as, a, as an example, seems very, very complex. And you even touched on that. How do they even start? How do they start to grasp this? Because I mean, I've looked at Facebook ads. I used to be pretty proficient back in the day with uh, what was it? The, the pay-per-click campaigns on Yahoo. Yahoo had a setup and Google uh, AdWords had their setup. And I actually built and ran a business off of that and then turned around and sold that business using that. But then I kind of got out of the entrepreneurial space for several years, come back and it's a different landscape, bro. This whole Facebook thing this is, this is a different game. So it does seem intimidating. It does seem overwhelming. What can business owners do to step back and go, Hey man, let me just take this one bite at a time. Let me just start with the basics. Give me that Gracie fundamental video series that I ordered back in 1996 for $500 and show me how to show me what a mount is and show me what a guard is and show me what an arm bar is. Show me the basics. How can they do that? There's three components that everyone should start with. And one of them is just, an, I guess it's two components. One of them is just the understanding that there's two halves to the coin. We do this a lot with our automotive clients where they'll have a 20 or $30,000 a month ad spend. The, when we meet them, their existing agency is spending $30,000 a month going out and shaking the hand of a person they've never met before, like a cold impression. So they don't have any reason to talk to you, but they're hoping that, hey, do you want to buy a car results in a yes, right? So, and that's fine. You need a certain percentage of your budget to be on that. But what we force them to do and what all business owners should look at is which portion of my ad spend is audience creation or audience identification. So what those car dealers are actually spending money on is figuring out who's likely to buy a car this month. They're not really paying for the opportunity to sell the car. 
by not following up with those people and continuing to give them more and additional reasons, it's throwing money out the door and they don't realize it that way. So the first thing is you have to identify what am I going to do to identify who's, who might want to buy my product or service? And then once I've identified them, what do I say and do to them with that knowledge that'll explain my business to them, show them the reasons to do business with me, explain the virtues of my product to them, maybe answer questions they have, overcome objections they have. How do I then build a sales process that takes all that audience I've identified and actually does something with them. And we, we were able to, you know, we, we scaled our business from zero to three and a half million dollar value in 16 months during a pandemic, simply by going into auto dealers that were doing nothing with all the money they had spent to identify audience. And then just hooking our ads up to them to, to talk to and engage and convert those people after they had found them, they were paying, you know, as you said, pay-per-click, you know, five or $6 to meet a prospect and then just letting that prospect leave, not realizing that with the Facebook platform, it only costs another six to 10 cents to talk to them again. So you, you have your cost you're willing to pay to meet somebody. And then you have to have another set in your mind about how much you're willing to invest in time frame wise based on your product. How long do you want to stay with them and continue that conversation? That is the, the number one thing that people have gotten wrong is this balance between when am I identifying new audience and what am I saying to that audience after I've identified them on the second, third, fourth, fifth touch to convert them. And you know, a lot of what we've found is the reason for that is they vastly overestimate how difficult it'll be to make engaging ad content. I mean, even ad agencies are afraid to just pull out a phone and make a message that's relevant to a person and then have that message go out there. And then, like I said, the second part is just understanding that you, you have the option to be reactive. So you, not everything needs to be an ad. And so what'll happen is we've had other ad agencies approach us and say, I hear you do ads. This is a few years ago for police officers. We can't do that because, you know, you need a certain amount of audience. How are you doing it? They don't realize that like, if you have a tiny skateboard shop and you want to make an ad for Spanish speakers, that you can easily make that ad and have it only go to the Spanish speakers who are already in your funnel. So you can actually cut an audience by a thing. So to your question, the second thing everyone needs to do is just download a list of all the targeting options on Facebook and just peruse through them. And you're going to find based on your business, like, wow, I didn't know you could target new moms or I didn't know you could target people of this language or I didn't know you could target people just from a certain zip code. You know, and if you as the business owner don't know how to talk to somebody that's of a different gender from a different part of town looking at a different product, then you probably need to start there. Because I think most business owners would know to speak differently to somebody based on what product of theirs they wanted and who they are. So, you know, you need to take a step back and look at your business in that same way and make sure that there's an ad for all of your key types of people who are likely to buy from your business. And, you know, Chris talked about Chris Harris on your profile. He said, if you're not making over a hundred grand, you might not need to attack more than one avatar. But again, that's that philosophy that you're only going to build an avatar series out to go find new audience, which can be very expensive. But I would argue no matter how much you're making, you can't afford not to speak to dog lovers in particular, depending on what your business is. If somebody's using olive oil to cook with, or if they're using it to dip bread in, those are different customers that need a different reason to buy from you. So you can start off by identifying all of them, but then you, when you go talk to them that second and third and fourth time, you want to make sure that you have different types of ads designed to convert them based on what you already know about them. So if you think about auto sales, you asked a lot of questions, I'm sure. That's what we're doing here. You know, the Facebook platform knows the questions and now we have to be able to convert on, on the answers and give them something meaningful. So I, I like that you tackled that though in having multiple avatars. You know, I think so many times we're afraid to identify a particular avatar because we don't want to miss out on the potential sales from somebody that might not fit that particular niche. How do we overcome that? And what are some of the best practices for some of the smaller businesses? You know, a lot of what you're talking about works for established businesses, but new businesses that are really trying to get their foundation really underneath them and start building a customer base. What are some of the things they could do right out of the gate to start making an impact? Okay, so let me give I'm gonna give you the step by step here. And this is all in our in our course as well. But when we started to build the course, we had to back out. It's brand new business, not anything we've ever put money behind. We've done really well with our other ones. And we thought, okay, so the, and this is the same thing anyone else should do. We said, who's the person who's gonna buy this course? And I think I talked to you about this before we got on the air. The first avatar we came up with is a husband and wife chiropractor team, existing business. You know, the second one that we came up with is like a T-shirt company. And it's like two brothers that are managing a T-shirt company because we think this is content that would really be useful to them. 
And the third is real estate or anybody doing like a high ticket sale that's got a longer window of time they need to stay. So I don't know how those things will affect my actual product. Those are the three people who I want to build my offer for because they're the people who are most likely to buy from me. So if I owned an olive oil place, again, it'd be somebody who cooks with olive oil, somebody who dips bread in olive oil and somebody who gifts olive oil. I would say those are probably my three people. You really like olive oil, don't you? (laughs) I had a good experience at an olive oil place. And I didn't buy enough, and then I ran out, and then now it's all I think about. Yeah, now people know how to bribe me if they need to. But So the idea is that every business should not be afraid of turning anyone away. If you haven't said enough to turn someone away, you haven't said enough to turn someone on. So you should be able to look at who are the three people. This is the kit we kind of find ourselves advising everyone to make, unless they have a very unique business. But you look at the three people who avatar-wise are likely to purchase your product. Then you look at the three, you come up with three reasons why somebody who should buy your product maybe thinks they shouldn't buy your product. So we're getting this big 35 foot glass wall in our house and the whole thing slides into a pocket. It's gorgeous. But my wife was like, I don't want it. Well, upon further questioning, we find out it's because she thought it would take three weeks to build. And the guy's in our house and she laughs. He goes, no, no, no. From the time we tear your wall down, the new one will be in in a day. And she goes, oh, well then I'm in just that simple. Because they had an idea that kept them from wanting your product, but it wasn't a good one. It was a false one. In sales, we, we refer to this as the feel, felt, found closed. You know, I used to feel like this. I felt like I needed a, you know, an all-wheel drive. But what I found was that, you know. So you want to go through and go up with three reasons why people right now are prospects of yours. And they, they think that the answer is no to your product. But it's not. they have a shaky argument that's defeatable, right? So in a perfect world, then what you want to do is you want to go do customer testimonials with three people like your avatar. So, hey, you cook with olive oil. Tell us how it works, what you cook with it, what your favorite recipes are. And and, te- and then maybe they, in a perfect world, that person can then dispel one of those reasons for you. So we are actually, we did end up with that Dreamwall guy as a client. So my wife is going to stand there and say, I really didn't want to have feel felt found. I really didn't want the Dreamwall. I loved it. Obviously, it's gorgeous. I knew it had value to our home. But I didn't want the three weeks worth of construction in my house, so I wasn't going to do it. And the person listening is now nodding, going, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. You know, but what I learned is that it only took 24 hours. It's the easiest 24 hours ever. And I'll never look back. That becomes one ad. It's only 25 seconds long and it might be a button. I'm not afraid of it not converting you because most ads don't convert. 95% of the people that hear them, right? I'm concerned about, is there somebody out there with that objection that'll be converted by this message? We did a big series for Volkswagen, the ID4, and people were very concerned that the didn't have enough charging range, that it wouldn't be powerful enough, you know, and and that the performance was that it didn't look like a regular car with the buttons. So we attacked those three. We had people speak to how easy it was to get in and learn how to drive it, how available the charging stations were, and how much performance there was when you pressed on the gas pedal. It ain't no Prius. And so we went and got our, pro- our profiles, and we got a young mixed-race couple. We got an old lady with that looks very hippie, and we've got a big, tall guy that drove a truck there. And those are the three people, and we had them go through the course and speak to those three things. And we kind of remixed those ads as like a 12 or 15 ad kit. So now I've got the, the guy to play to guys. I've got the mixed younger couple to play to younger couples. I've got the old lady to play to old ladies to get their attention. But then once I got their attention, if they haven't converted yet, now I'm going to start hitting them with maybe reasons why they haven't bought the ID4 already. And so then you can kind of create this whole sales funnel. You can keep stacking that on. You can then do FAQs. You can do informational ones. You can do fun ones that are just goofy. You can do ones for nurses and say it's a great way for nurses is charging at the hospital, you know, whatever. So the point is you got to love your business enough to want to make an individual message for each person. So that's the kit that we tell most people is to back up, come up with three people who you would like to be doing business with. If you can't say these are the three who would do business, then pick your best three, the three you think you'll either make the most money off of or get the most referrals off of or have the easy, the highest closing percentage with. Nail down who those three are and build three different businesses for them. And that doesn't necessarily require three times the ad spend, which I think was kind of an assumption that Chris was making was that you really want to build one vertical and then build another vertical. But it doesn't really need to be that way because you're building those to go out and meet people, but you're mostly staying them because if if somebody comes into your funnel and you have something from a woman and they're a woman, it's something you know based on Facebook, they probably rather consume an ad from somebody like them. 
So it gives you all these options then to build this sort of, we call it sort of conversational advertising. Some of our clients have 50 or 60 different, very targeted ads in their build. So, you know, you'll only see five because of who you are. But, you know, me being a veteran, my wife being a new mother, if we shopped the same brand, we would have an entirely different perception of what this brand was because they talked to her as a mom and talked to me as a vet. So that's actually doesn't cost any more ad spend. Whatever you spend on remarketing, you're just creating new variety so that you can always have the most engaging ad for somebody. But you're not actually spending anymore. And that's really important to note. And it allows you to do the most important thing, which is, you know, as a business owner, you should be a data driven person. So you get to see, wow, this mom section or segment of my audience isn't performing as well as, you know, the the one made for dads or the one made for veterans or whatever. So you can kind of put your energy where it belongs, but you want to have that initial build. And so, you know, don't crawl, walk, run. I always hate that advice. Build the kit your business needs and tweak it from, but if you don't have the ability one of the things we like to joke about is our ad platform kind of feels more like a, a you know, you're familiar with what a chat bot does, right? It takes a, a prompt from you and shoots back. So you're, you should be seeking to build something close to that effect, similarly of that, an ad bot that based on how you interact with it, it dictates what your next ad will be so that, you know, you're always seeing a, a topically relevant, engaging ad on a product that you're actually interested in. And think about how many times you've been online and seen the same ad for shoes or even really good brands like built. I, I wear a lot of their golf stuff, but it's the same two ads and I'll see them 40 or 30 to 40 times, you know? So by building in these little niche, you know, pithy statements aimed right at somebody's eyeline, it allows them to feel totally different about your brand. And you kind of explain your whole story, explain your whole value proposition, not trying to do it all in one ad, but knowing, Hey, I'm, I got you here now. I got your IP. I know you're well, I know what you're interested in. I'm going to take my time. I'm going to put you in a sales process uh, and sort of create that showrooming effect that dealerships rely on to, to to build their business. Man, it's it's amazing to hear how intricate it really is, but how much on, on the flip side, you've simplified the process. It's so simple. Like I said, if you just download the targeting options from Facebook and scroll through there, no matter what your business is, you're going to go, I didn't know I could talk to welders specifically. So, you know, if you're selling a pair of Carhartts, what you say to a welder or the type of ad that might get their attention is just going to be fundamentally different than what you'd say to your audience if you had to talk to them all at, at, as a whole. And yeah, it, it is very simple. It can be intimidating. I get that. But the platform is really easy to use. You know, we've got a lot of guidance that is part of our course on exactly how to build it and how to, how to run it. But there's a lot of that stuff that's free that's available all over the place. The problem is there's so much there. You've got to start with the problem and back yourself into the solution. If you know what type of ads you're running, then you know what questions to ask and you know how to go find the information. If you try to learn the whole platform, it's kind of like going to Mexico. People say, well, I know how to order a beer and find a bathroom, but I, I couldn't talk to you about building a house. And so you don't go in and try to learn Spanish. You just go in and learn the things you need to accomplish what you need. And you kind of expand outward from there. And it, it really is, you're selling yourself short to not go in and fail first. Go in. If it's too hard for you, now you know. But it, it, you'd be, I think a lot of business owners would be surprised that this is not beyond their pay grade. And worse yet, the agencies that you might hire to do it for you, they're not very competent at it either. They're not completely aware of the, the whole toolkit and how to use it to your advantage because they're going in under the assumption they have no content to start with. And if you want to have this engaging thing, that's how we ended up building a course for how to make videos for your business. If you don't have but three pieces of content, it doesn't do you any good to know that I'm a police officer or know that I looked at this product on your website versus this product or to know that, you know, I, I often am up late at night or any of the other things you already know about me. If you don't have a unique piece of content to convert on that knowledge, then there's no point knowing it. And so, you know, there is a big gap in how people use the platform because they're asking the wrong question. And that's how do I build an engaging set of ads with no content. You know, everything's a written word ad, which is not really how it needs to be done. So another really important thing to point out is if you play a, a picture ad in Facebook, the user only has the option to click it or not click it. So imagine you said you have sales history in the past. If all you said to them is, do you want to buy the car? Yes or no. How many no's you'd get, right? So you want people to, ex you want to live in the maybe zone where this person is not a no, which is very valuable information. Suspiciously, they're also not a yes yet. But they're not a no, and that's a good, valuable bit of information that you don't get from running ads that aren't videos because you either click it or you don't click it. So when I play you a video ad, I actually get the opportunity, and this is probably the most important thing I've said yet, to meter how much of the video you watched. So if I'm starting a solar business, 
my first ad doesn't even need to be to try to sell you solar. I can just show somebody pulling the laminate on a very appealing way off of solar. And if your thumb didn't stop for that, then I got you to be a no, that's good. Now I'm saving my ad spend on you on the next round. If I got you to click, that's good. I just made money. But if I didn't, I at least know, hey, bro, you seem a little interested in solar. Why is that? And I can, I can come back later and go, hey, and start that process of evaluating that attention. So that's extremely important is, is using video because it allows you to create those maybes. They're not a yes and they're not a no. They're in a more interested audience than a random audience. And that's really the backbone of our entire system because then we go out and play that first round of ads, really just trying to see who's worth a second round of ads. And if some of them click, that's fine, but it creates that filtering process that allows you to start with 100,000 audience, cut it down to 10,000 engaged people, cut it down to 1,000 people who are really interested and have been on your website, and then make offers and try to convert only that bottom funnel when obviously talking to a thousand people, you can show them a hundred ads for the same price as a hundred thousand people. Yeah. And that's, uh, that is what so many people fail to grasp is just having that data, having something there to analyze in the first place. It makes all the difference in the world. It's one of the things that I struggle with as a podcaster, because we don't have a whole lot of data. There's not a lot of podcast analytics out there in the podcastosphere. Now, if you look at video content creation, you go to YouTube, you got tons of analytics. And just like that, you can see exactly where your engagement drops off. You can see where it peaks. You can see where it dips and wanes. There is so much information there, and you can use that same information, it sounds like, to judge your, your Facebook campaigns or your ad campaigns. Yeah, it's it's there. It's it, it can be a deep rabbit hole, but it also doesn't need to be. I mean, at a very surface level understanding of how to read the data, you can you can gleam literally all the information that you need. You know, which ads are working, which ones are working better than other ads. But it's really about these just these if then statements. Hey, man, if somebody watches this ad, then do this. If they don't, then take this action. If they watch fifty percent of it, then put them in this bucket. We've got clients that are trying to recruit right now, new new staff members. And they, they come around and it's more of a customer facing ad. And they say, hey, we, we should take better care of our customers. We got to hire more people. And it's really only targeted at people who could work in that job, who already have that job. But we don't, you know, so then the second day, then the GM comes back around. He's got a cell phone out. He's like, look, man, I just want to. And then and now he's more frank because now the only way you're going to get that ad is to have watched the first ad. So now we're setting you up as sort of a staged conversation. So he's like, look, man, I just want to work with good people. If you can show me that you sold 12 cars last month, we need to talk. Here's my cell phone. And then, and then we give them a day off. And then the next day we come back and go, look, man, I know you saw my ad the other day and you never called. So that must mean you like your job currently. You're probably making good money. And that's why we want to work with you. So information's free. Just text my phone so you can continue to poke and prod people by setting one ad up based only on the fact that they've seen one of your other ads, this one ad in particular, or all of your other ads. That is such a trip, man, because I've never heard of that. I, even when you mentioned it earlier in the show, talking about how somebody goes to your website, but they don't download your PDF or whatever it may be. And then you target them a couple of hours later on Facebook. That, yep. that is so insane. I've never, I never even knew that existed. So there's two events. So the first event is like, were they on this page? And then we take that a step further because there's, if you sign up for an appointment with me, then we send you to a thank you for that page. So we, there's two pages. If you signed up on the appointment, you've been to both. If you haven't, you've only been to one. So that's all we do is we write the, write the ad to say if they've been on this page, but then they also have not been on this, then we know they didn't convert and play this. Why didn't you convert message? And it's like, yeah, nobody knows that you can do this because to them, making the ad of them on the golf course going, hey, man, what the hell? You know, you didn't stop by my thing. That They think that's the skill level part they can't do. So their brain isn't looking for solutions to go use that type of content. I started off in the video business and sold that business and got into advertising. And the only reason I started making stuff on a cell phone is we realized it actually performed better than the really highly made, you know, graphics and sound effects stuff. People actually just wanted me to pull my phone out and be like, yo, listen, man, and just talk, you know? So yeah, that's the part that people are missing is it, it really is that simple to build these lists based on different engagement. If you have several product types, like if you're a t-shirt company, if you sell hoodies or hats, these should all be triggering separate ads. So you can only imagine my frustration scrolling through Facebook and seeing all the places where this is failing to be done. Because, you know, and that's, that's the other thing that the business owners, my passion is this, is selling people and making content and building successful funnels. It's, you know, I, I like 
selling. I like, we call it changing people's faces. I like saying that thing to somebody, whether in person or on a video that makes their face go from, I don't know, to, Ooh, maybe, you know, so this is a natural space for me. But what happens to most people is they fall in love with their business. And this seems like an alien business. And it's kind of like my mom and the cleaning stuff. She would have never not known whether or not 409 was better than, you know, than some other cleaning solution. And 409 or Clorox, she was an expert. But when it came to how to scale their business, what it costs to get a new customer, that that calculation that, hey, in a day's time, I found two customers. Maybe I should give the 409 bottle to somebody else and go, you know, and it's every business owner's responsibility. I always say you don't you don't have a business. And so you can tell me what it costs you to acquire another customer. Yeah. And they're not obsessed with that. They don't see that as their business. They see that as another area of business. I don't think building a website or Google SEO, I think those are areas that, you know, you can get help in. But if you're hiring another agency to to completely blow your business up and it's void of any content you gave them and your customers aren't, their input's not part of that, you're, you're really missing the boat of actually running your business and creating content that's meaningful to your customers. So yeah, it, it's, it's not just they've been on this page. It's they're this age. It's what day is it? We have flash sales that run for some of our clients that only happen at lunch. And it's like our lunchtime flash sale and it's got sandwich emoticons and stuff. It's the same ad that runs at night with sleepy emoticons and beds and stuff, but it performs so much better just because it's topical and it's relevant. Whether it's the day of time, the product they looked at, who they are as a person or some past action they've taken, it's always talking to them and it's not just an ad. All I know is that if I saw your video come at me after I was on your website two hours later and said, hey, I know you didn't convert. I know you didn't sign up. What's the deal? Yeah. I would go straight to my wife's office. I'd say, see this creepy shit, man. Yeah. I told you they're watching. They're listening. This is freaky. Yeah, it does. (laughs) And there there are some times where you can call it out too much in the ad copy and Facebook will shut it down because it is a little too like too uh, on on the head, if you will. A little too kind of somewhat invasive, maybe. Well, they just don't want it to be like, you know, they don't like it when you say, I know you saw my last ad. In fact, what gave me this idea is I was going through YouTube yeah. and I, a friend of mine in the auto space said, hey, I'm going to be in room 213. Don't miss my show. And I'm like, skip, you know, can't wait to watch what I was about to watch on YouTube. And then like an hour he, later, he came back and he goes, I know you skipped my last video, but don't skip my presentation. And I was like, oh my God, the internet's talking to me. You know, like that was the first, but it does. It makes you feel some kind of way. Some people may be creeped out, but I, to me, it makes it more relevant. I'm always disappointed when like, when I shop for this hat, I, I bought this hat and then went on vacation. I've been seeing the exact same ad for this hat for a week straight. They're not trying me on different ways. They're not showing me different ways it could be used. All As simple as having somebody drain a putt and then look up and be like, oh, like the hat did it. You know what I mean? Once I'm already interested, that's funny. And now would that ad work if I put $5,000 on it and played it to an open audience? No, definitely not. But once I know you're in my funnel, you've seen my hat on my website, you've watched a whole one of my other videos to show me the same content again and again and again is criminal to not come back and make jokes about it, to not come back and go, maybe it's the shipping, bro. Listen, our hat, you know, 24 hours, they gave me this really cool email about it, but that never came to me as an ad. So if I hadn't bought it, I would never know that their shipping was super, they're super proud of it. So to not merchandise, not just your, your product, but your business, you know, what, what the value statements are of your business, you know, dry cleaner, you know, whatever, you know, we'll get it to you the next day, showing them the package that you're going to get it in the nice hanger you're going to get. All that stuff is irrelevant as an outbound ad. But if it's a remarketing ad being played as a response to somebody, incredibly relevant. And so even if that person is bought or not yet, you know. So you can kind of stay in a certain type of conversation with somebody. And then as soon as they buy, they actually pick up another tag. And just there, you know, now they're in our sold customers audience. So it's absolutely, if you're a business owner and and things are good right now, they're not going to be that way for the entirety of all next year, obviously, or hopefully they will be, but I don't see that being likely. But it is, the wheels aren't going to fall off either. And so being able to go out and know this is how much a new customer will cost me allows you to write a business plan. And if you're that mom and or that husband and wife chiropractor shop, three more offices may be really the, the safest way for you to stay in business. Learning how to develop your business may be more future proof than just having a solid business, being more aggressive. The other thing that we haven't harped on here is when you advertise in this way, you eventually come away with the understanding. When we start pushing this course, you know, we're, we're trying to build a course that's got $2,500 worth of value for 500 bucks. 
our goal is to figure out how to sell a course for about $180 spent. So as we tweak this course, I don't care about the revenue coming in because I'm just going to monopolize that as ad spend. It's going to go right back out as ad spend. What you're trying to do is rinse it out so that you know it costs $180 to make $500. And then you just pull the credit card out and get rich. That's why you always hear people talk about scaling ads on the digital side, because you know it's profitable, but how much money can you pump in before you, you break it? And so that's the thing that everybody needs to be more interested in is if you know how much it costs you to get another customer, then you only have to worry about, do I have the ability to scale the physical operation of my business? Can I order more hats? Can I hire more people? Can, can I get another person to, to hold the 409 bottle? And if you know how to, to scale the physical operations side of your business, it is your job as the business owner to open up new ground. That's how you're going to promote the people you have. That's how you're going to grow your business. This data doesn't only help you get sales. It helps you get information about how much those sales cost. And if you want to get an investor for your business, that's literally the only thing you need. Like if you can come to me, anyone listening here and show me that you can spend $2 and 80 cents to sell a $20 product, then I will give you the loan. Just come to me, show me your back end. You know what I mean? And I will put my credit card in and we'll be in business together. Like promise you, right? So you need to want to see that you can get those healthy numbers. You can get enough margin that it's worth it to pump your, your ad spend in. And when you hire an ad agency that doesn't think in that way, you're giving up on that opportunity to really grab the horse's reins and be in control of how many customers you have in a given month. Andrew, man, I got to tell you, I sense the passion in what you're doing. You seem to be a little excited about it. And you seem to be extremely knowledgeable about it, man. And I know you could talk about this for hours on end. Yeah, and have. <laughs> <laughs> if someone wanted to reach out to you and find out more or just make contact with you and, and, and dig into your business a little bit, where could they do that? So my, uh, my sort of screen name is Emerstan, E-M-E-R-S-T-A-N. And I own that handle for Twitter, Facebook. So Twitter uh, slash Emerstan, Facebook slash Emerstan. You guys can find me. I have public profiles. I'm, I always am available to help if there's questions, if there's, you know, if there's an opportunity to jump on the phone with somebody. I've sort of hired myself out of a day job. So that's why talking about these things sort of has become my day job. So yeah, feel free to reach out. And then we put together a course about exactly how to grow your video with it. For right now, our, our operating title is Little Videos, Big Results. So it's a business development course that literally will walk you through everything, the lighting, the framing, exactly our special way of gripping the phone so you sort of are the the steady cam you know how to manage the sound and most importantly the scripting which videos to make we talk about how to how to do boomerangs and how to you know riff off memes and gifs so if you know this is an area you want to move into this is a very very simple course it's parachutevideoads.com slash readily random and there'll be a free download there. You can get our get the entire course without all the training and groups and, and examples, but the whole deck is there. So there's, there's several ways to reach out. But yeah, I encourage everyone to at least look into the basics of how easy it would be to grow whatever it is you're doing now. And if there's something that you want to start, but you're hesitant, you know, this is this may be the doorway that makes you feel more confident about it. That's awesome, man. That is so awesome. All right, man. Well, I appreciate it so much. Thank you so much for your time. And I can't wait to learn more because I... I'm personally interested in what you're bringing to the table because I love what you have to say. And I love, obviously, that you have extreme skill set in this arena and it could definitely help me in what I'm doing. So we're going to chat a little bit outside of the show. Yeah, to say, take, take the Pepsi challenge. I'd, I'd love to help you uh, find, find exactly the right listeners for the show and find out how much they cost. That'd be great, brother. I appreciate it. Hey, thank you so much for having me.